And when we come searching for Jesus, when we come searching for God, we need to check our motives. Why are we searching for Jesus? What's the true motive behind it? Are we searching for the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? Are we searching for physical things? Or is it physical along with the spiritual, the greater being the spiritual? Why do we seek Jesus? Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Last week we looked at a message I entitled The Prophet from John chapter 6 verses 1 through 21, Jesus feeding the 5,000 and then his miracle of walking on the sea. A miracle that was only given to his disciples, not to everyone, but everyone who was there at the feeding of the 5,000, they experienced that miracle. So we had seen uh, two miracles given by Jesus, one to general public and the other privately to his disciples. I had mentioned last week, all of the Gospels tell of the feeding of the 5,000. Three of the Gospels tell of Jesus walking on water. And it's only John that tells us the day after. He's the only one that gives us this portion from verses. It's actually verses 22 through 59. And it's really a very long discourse that Jesus gives to the people who came seeking him on the following day in Capernaum, his ministry base. And as we know through studying scripture that Jesus kind of had in the Galilee a ministry headquarter in the home of, not in the home, but the hometown of Andrew and Peter there in Capernaum on the northwest corner of the Sea of Galilee. And so there at the very top of the sea, and Jesus ministering from there, they came seeking him, coming to Capernaum, because the people knew this is where he worked out of, And they were seeking Jesus, but not for a messianic hope. They were seeking Jesus because, well, it was morning and they were hungry again. They had been fed the night before, fed until they were satisfied. And a Greek word we learned last week that meant they were fed to the full. It was that holiday meal that they were stuffed. You know, it's true for us as well. We have those big meals. And the next morning we're looking for, even before the next morning, we're looking for a snack, looking for something else to eat. It's the next morning and they're looking for Jesus. And he will admit, and we'll learn this next week, you seek me not because of the miracles of the sign, but because 
you ate the bread and was filled, that uh, it was a fleshly thing that they were after at this point. But Jesus, in this portion of the message, we're going to see our memory verse, the work of God. This is the work of God. They're seeking. What is the work of God? Tell us this. And it's like coming to a great teacher and finding that one great truth that he desires to speak. What is the work of God that we might do it? And Jesus responding, this is the work of God. So we're going to see in a message I titled The Work of God in John 6, 22 through 40. They sought Jesus, verses 22 through 26. The work of God, verses 27 through 29. They sought signs, verses 30 through 34. And the bread of life, verses 35 through 40. So we'll look at the first section. They sought Jesus, verses 22 through 26. I'll read that for context and open us in prayer. On the following day, when the people were standing on the other side of the sea and saw that there was no other boat there except the one which his disciples had entered and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread and after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they got into the boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Father, we pray that you'd bless the teaching of your word now. Bless it, we pray, Lord, to our souls. Lord, that we might be filled with the truths of your word. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So it's the following morning. They're, they're hungry again. That's kind of the image I get. It's time for breakfast. Hey, Jesus is here. Where is he? They sought him and... They knew that he hadn't left with his disciples the night before. And also the night before, they knew that there was only one boat and the disciples had taken that boat and departed from that area. They're over on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is um, a lake that's 13 miles long and about eight miles across. And I looked this up. This morning, and I'm pulling from memory, which is the dangerous thing for me to do, but if you're on this seashore and looking across the lake, your eyes can see about two, 2.6 miles, about two and a half miles into the sea. If you come up on an elevation a little bit, you can see up to 12 miles away, and the Sea of Galilee is surrounded by hills and uh, by some of the foothills, mountains, we might call them, going up to some 1,200 feet. And I've been there, and you can easily look across this lake, see from one side to the other. So it wouldn't be a difficult thing, not only for them to look and to see, and to see the fishing boats out in the morning, to look for Jesus, but even to have these boats coming from Tiberias, coming from, which would be over on the... Uh, toward the southern end of the west side of the Sea of Galilee, we slept across 
in a, a Jewish kind of a hotel slash bed and breakfast. But uh, we could see the lights of Tiberius across the lake at night and you could hear the music. It's not that it's very large, very uh, big in that area. And so when they sought Jesus, found that he was nowhere on shore, knew that he had not left with his disciples, they went to seek Jesus in Capernaum. They went to his home base where they found Jesus. And Jesus admitted to them that they were seeking him with the wrong intention. They sought him uh, not because of the miracles, but because they had been fed and they were filled with the loaves. You know, the word tells us in Jeremiah 29, 13, that you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And when we come searching for Jesus, when we come searching for God, we need to check our motives. Why are we searching for Jesus? What's the true motive behind it? Are we searching for the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? Are we searching for physical things? Maybe it's physical things of being uh, filled. It's not wrong that we should uh, ask the Lord in, in the Lord's prayer. He taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. But what's the true intent of our motives? Is it merely physical or is it physical along with the spiritual, the greater being the spiritual? Why do we seek Jesus? They came and they sought Jesus with wrong intentions. Verse 26 says, Jesus answered and said, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. There were many signs. There were there was this one major thing that we looked at last week, the feeding of the 5,000. But when we combine the four Gospels, we learn that not only did the crowd come to Jesus, he had compassion on them, he taught them, and he healed the sick. He healed many. So they saw many signs. John records the feeding of the 5,000 as the major sign that even had the people admitting that this is truly the prophet. There was something messianic about Jesus. Truly you are the son of God, they declared in Matthew 14, 33. But Jesus, four times in this discourse, he will say, most assuredly, verse 26. You can underline that. It might be truly, truly in your Bible or verily, verily, I say unto you. He says it four times and it's an affirmation of a a surety. Listen up, I'm speaking the truth to you. And the first thing he reveals to them was the motive of their hearts. Why they truly sought after Jesus. Not because they had seen the signs. Later on we'll see that the works, the signs, was to reveal that Jesus truly is the Messiah. They sought Jesus because they ate the loaves and were filled. So they sought the Lord with wrong intentions. And the signs were given to bear witness of Jesus in John 5.36. But I have a greater witness than John's for the works which the Father has given me to do. The very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And so these miracles of Jesus, there was a purpose to bring revelation that he was actually the Son of God. And some understood by the feeding of the 5,000 that God was manifesting himself 
through Jesus, testifying in John 6, 14. We learned this last week. Truly, this is the prophet who has come into the world. They identified Jesus as the prophet. We learned the verses last week from Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 and verse 18, where Moses said, there'll be a prophet like me, one who will come like me, him you will hear. And so they identified Jesus back to this Old Testament prophecy from Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 and 18. Truly, this is the prophet. But the others did not understand. The majority did not understand. Their hearts were set on earthly things. They ate the bread. They were filled. They said, let's do it again. In Matthew 6, 19 through 21, Jesus would say, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So the question is, why do you seek Jesus? Is it for merely earthly things or for heavenly treasures? As we move on in verses 27 through 29, we discover the work of God. And I'll read it for the context. Verses 27 through 29, Jesus saying, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give to you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said to them, should make you guys quote this. This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. And that's our memory verse for this month, and we're going to help you learn that one. This is the work of God. It's a good memory verse because people are wanting to know the way to heaven, and Jesus is saying that the way to heaven is through faith in Jesus Christ. Believe in him whom God has sent. But Jesus He's not saying that we shouldn't work. Everybody has a job, a purpose to fulfill in life. It's through work that we're able to provide for ourselves, for our family. I think while honing the knowledge, the skills that we have, which help to actually reveal God's purpose, his passion for our lives. I think it's through work that we discover more of ourselves and how we can serve the Lord in this world. So it's not merely for selfish purposes. He's not saying that we shouldn't work to provide for our families and uh, for ourselves to gain this food. But people have this tendency of misdirecting their priorities, seeking the things that perish while neglecting the things that endure into everlasting life. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from my father's mouth. So what are we living for? Some people live merely to eat. They're living for merely the earthly things. But Jesus said, and he said that to Satan, 
after the 40 days of fasting in the wilderness, that it's not about the physical, but it's about the spiritual as well. We need the physical. I'm not saying that we don't, but there is a spiritual side. God has created us with body, soul, and spirit. There is a spiritual side to everyone. And that which endures to everlasting life is the gift that only comes through Jesus. As Jesus said in John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me, though he may die, shall live. And even in that verse, Jesus is saying that there's something more than this life. Though he may die, he shall live. That there's something beyond this physical life. So we should set our hearts, our minds upon not just merely earthly things, but the spiritual as well. And moreover, Jesus said that the Father has set his seal upon him. He has marked him. It's God's seal of authority. And we don't always use seals in this day and age. They used them a lot more then. It could be that you would get a fancy invitation from the president. Could be that you might. I never have. And that fancy invitation might have a wax seal on it. This is an official invitation. I was, as we had mentioned, working on our radio station this week, and I took out the old transmitter that had been repaired a few years ago, and there was tape on the lid. You take off about 20 screws, you can open up that transmitter, but they had sealed it. It had been taped shut to say to them that if we end up sending it back to them, if the tape's been broken, they know that we've been messing around in there. But if it's still sealed, they know that it failed and it had nothing to do with us. It was on their end. They sealed it. And Jesus said that God's seal, this mark of authority is upon me. Peter would write in 2 Peter 1, 16 through 18, saying, We did not follow cunningly devised fables when he made known to you the power and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellence of glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. We heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. They heard God's seal of authority upon Jesus Christ, and they testified of it. So the people asked about this work of God, verses 28 and 29, the true work of God. They said, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Notice that they were thinking of a number of things. What good works must we do? Because I believe they understood that we fail often in our lives. So there's this mentality that you have to keep making up for your failures. Not just one good thing, but many good things. What work may we do that we might do the works of God? And Jesus said, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. They asked about the plural works of God. How many works we have to do? And Jesus said, there's only one, believe in me. 
there is this work your way to heaven mentality that was then and has survived all the way into the 21st century. If you ask people, just an average people on the street today, if they want to get into a spiritual conversation and you're able to get them there, but ask why they would go to heaven, uh, the number one response is because I'm good. But what are they measuring themselves against? See, I believe that when we think of good, we're measuring our goodness against others without thought toward God. But when we think about what God speaks about in being good, when Jesus declares what is good, he's comparing our sinfulness to his sinlessness, our wickedness to his righteousness, our injustice to his justice. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, There's not a just man on earth that does good and does not sin. So Solomon, he identifies that there are good men on the earth, but they still sin. Romans 3.23, we know for all of sin falls short of the glory of God. So what must we do? We must believe in Jesus. We must believe in Jesus, whom God has sent to be the covering for our sins. For those who truly want to earn their way to heaven, Jesus declared that there's one work. It's believing in him. This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. And no one can escape it. There's only one way to the Father, and it's through the Son, Jesus. As Jesus said in John 14, 6, that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. So how are we doing? What's our labors today? Are we laboring for the things that endure unto everlasting life? I have heard so many people making excuses throughout the years of why they don't attend church, but in their mind, they're thinking, someday I'm going to. And usually in that someday I'm going to, what they're saying is, First, I need to accomplish this in my life. And Jesus is the one who declared, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. We actually have things backwards. It's seeking God first. So they sought signs, verses 30 through 34. Again, for the context, verse 30. Therefore, they said to him, what sign will you perform then? that we may see it and believe you. What work will you do? Our fathers ate manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you bread from heaven, but my father gives the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. So they sought signs. So this, the work of God, as we've seen in John 6, 22 through 40, they sought Jesus, but they were seeking Jesus for earthly things and not the heavenly. So the question is, why are you seeking Jesus? They asked about the work of God. What 
work must we do that we must do the works of God? And so they use the word work twice, once singular, and then the second time plural. And Jesus came back and said, this is the work of God. One work, singular, that you believe in him whom he has sent. And I ask the question, are you laboring for the things that endure unto everlasting life? They sought signs and the people in seeking signs, they were looking to satisfy the physical needs that they had while neglecting the spiritual. And they did not partake in the true bread of life. They ate bread that the Lord had provided on the day before, but they had not yet partaken in the bread of life, Jesus Christ, through which we are saved and our salvation is secured. All because of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for your work and for the surety that you give through faith in your name and the true bread of life. We give you praise this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.